Well, if, well, you know, if you want something spontaneous, it's always best to plan for it. Welcome to the Create and Invent podcast. We're recording on August 4th, 2023, for once I remember to say that. Um, today, we've got somebody really special. His name is Brian Griner. He's a retired engineer, and he uh, basically made the transition into be a, being a self-published writer. I've, uh, I've read one of his books and part of another one, and it's, I, I you know, being an author you know, of a shorter articles myself, I find it very interesting what he's was been able to do. So, uh, so Brian, how are you? How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. I hope now, you and Pat are well. Yeah, we're. Uh, we're I hope good. so too. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, now you're in uh, Canada, right? Where do Where do you live exactly? Um, I, I mean, not exactly. Small... We don't need your address, yeah. but yeah, you know. yeah. I as I live in a small town north of Toronto. It's considered within the uh, GTA, the uh, Greater Toronto Area. Are you a Blue Jays fan? No. That, no. Okay. <laughs> well, I asked. I asked that just uh, whatever, but they actually have their. Uh, I think they do their spring training down where I am in, in Dunedin, yeah. Florida. Yeah. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, probably a disproportionate number of fans here. So. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, I'm. Uh, I'm not really a big sports person. I, I, I like sports. Okay. I'm about average, I guess, for an American. <laughs> maybe a little. Maybe a little less than average. You're you're an engineer. That's your your training, correct? I'm actually a, a diploma in physics engineering, so more emphasis on physics, and it was a practical form of engineering physics with more emphasis on hands-on playing with is with the stuff rather than getting into the into the math. Given the title of the degree, I would have thought it was a, a, actually opposite of that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's it, it was a strange course. It only lasted for a few years. <laughs> Because, well, university politics. <laughs> sure. It was, you know, it, you know, it was a small group. It made sense at the time. Other departments decided they wanted all the space and funding and toys that that group had gotten, so they sure. lost. But it was a fascinating uh, course. We got to play with uh, vacuum systems, like some top-notch uh, uh, vacuum systems. RF systems, um, helium neon lasers. Now this is back in the um, in the early '70s, so these things were kind of new then. So yeah, the emphasis that's, that's, was on on using things. That's very um, neat. And this is a uh, the university you went to. Was it in in Canada as well? Or are you a? Oh yeah, it was. At the time, it was uh, Ryerson Polytechnical. Now it's Ryerson University, and they've changed their name to. Toronto Metro University or some such nonsense. I I, I stopped caring years you, ago. You don't need to keep track anymore. Sure. You graduated. Sure. No. I could have <laughs> been grandfathered into getting a full degree rather than a diploma, but I couldn't be bothered to go through the paperwork because after because after 30, 40 years, who cares? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. It's like, um, um, you know, myself, it's like I, I, you know, I try to, you know, work, I have several customers in, um, quite a few customers and if I try to go to a new customer I don't you know they probably have no idea that I went to college to be honest but I mean I guess and they, they probably assume don't care. that but yeah they, pro they probably don't I mean it's it's um at this point in my career it's kind of a transactional relationship which is which mm. is nice in some ways um but now now you 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 graduated from college and I believe you worked at a uh, in a packaging manufacturing plant is yeah that, um, I've plant, had but... a number of jobs I first worked for is for atomic energy of Canada is at the research labs um, as a research tech and that was fascinating um, 
then a couple of small companies, one dealing with uh, laser systems, then a company more as a sales rep, technical support person for a company selling motion control equipment. Then um, it's a small company that did uh, environmental uh, monitoring gear and then a custom packaging company. They had some standard feeders, for example, standard conveyors, and they would mix and match and they would um, do various things with them. Um, sure. Feeding um, everything from sports cards to to cash equivalents. Like cash, uh, uh, cash equivalents. What, do you, what would you... What uh, Traveler's checks. Um uh, gift cards, okay, wow, things like that where you have to track every single item. I'm picturing like the uh, you know the the drug dealer or something with the th- thousands and thousands of dollars and you know putting it in the machine that goes. Yeah, no, but I don't um, think that's what we, you did. No, no, uh, we never handled cash. Uh, that market's pretty much uh, sewn up. But if it, you, if you wanted to uh, dispense things like uh, books or booklets, um. Pogs, pogs, uh, yeah, wow, yeah, wow, yeah. that's a throwback. Huge. Uh, sports cards. Um, I mean, I worked there for like I don't know thirty years. Um, yeah, you know, when you get to be uh, my age, you look back and say, "Oh, yes, I've worked a lot of places." <laughs> and was hooking up a, a PC to their system to do the real fancy tracking and control. So it was real time process control where a um, where a late response is a wrong response. Well, you know, that's interesting. You, you talked about your uh, your programming experience. It was what, C, mm. C Sharp, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Now, you know, coming from an industrial background myself, we always use ladder logic. And is that, is that something you ever use or is that a foreign to you? I, I used it a little bit. We we tried to stay away from PLCs. Okay. Um, Which are programmable logic controllers. Basically, yeah. it's like instead of having a, a line-by-line programs, you've got basically like it's like an electrical diagram. I, I find it. I, I like yeah. it myself, but that's that's because I guess like I'm used to it. I guess it, it it almost looks like an electoral diagram, and in fact, it's uh, mm-hmm. I think it harkens back to relay logic that yeah. probably was very very hard, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. But you never really used that. You actually programmed these with, you know, C or I, yeah. I don't really know what. Yeah, uh, because um, PLCs were f- are far too limited for what we were doing. Um, it's like we would have to. Um, create what we call a a layout that would describe um, how the packaging was to be done. And you might have a number of these depending on the job you are running. So these would be stored as a file. And okay. uh, so um, oh, and over the years that got really, I'll just use the word funky. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but there are tests and so on. But uh, you learn to think in terms of system as a whole. Well, I, I was just interesting because I feel like, um, you know, thinking about kind of what, what you're writing and stuff, you know, you I think you talked about how, you know, the characters and stuff, you kind of set them up almost as a machine in your head. They have, they react yeah. certain ways. So it's, it's almost like, you know, I feel like you're, um, you know, I know you said your engineering experience somewhat informs your writing. Is that, mm-hmm. is that, is that correct? Yeah. Now, now um, I, I feel like that'd be a good segue. It, yes. I feel like that'd be a good segue. But before we get into that, I also want to mention one other thing. Now, our last guest, uh, guest Tim, he was big in BBSs, and 
So are you, Brian. Yes. And what are BBSs, actually... Jeremy? Well, as we as what we is... defined last last episode, it's called a bulletin board system, and it's basically you set up your phone line so that people call in, and they can talk via text or you know, basically. Um, they they call in with their computer. With their computer over a landline, and so yeah, and it's a modem all, all that makes funky sounds. Modem, yeah, the modem, the modulator, demodulator. Anyway. That being said, you ran a BBS and you actually met your wife via your BBS. Is that, is I that did. correct? I did, yes. Yes. Wow. Um, it's called the Full Moon Computer Emporium. A grandiose, okay. silly term, but then, that, but then I was quite younger. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I was running it under CPM. Um, what is CPM? Uh, it's one of the earliest popular operating systems. It's what okay. DOS is based on. Oh, wow. So this um, must have been about 1980 or so, I, yep. I guess. Yep. Okay. Way, way back when computers as we were basically carved out of stone. I so came home from work uh, one day and the system was down. So I, you know, rebooted phone line because it had a separate phone line rang. And I picked it up and it was this female person on the other end. And she was calling to say that the system was down. I said, yeah, I'm just rebooting now. And we chatted for a minute and fine. And then we would occasionally text chat and uh, occasionally chat uh, over the phone. And uh, over a few weeks, you know, you go, well, this is an interesting lady. You nothing about her. Had, had, didn't know what she looked like. Didn't know how old she was. Figured she was of legal age just from the fact, you know, from, the, from her voice and, and, and the things she was saying. And you get to the point, now guys understand this, where you have to ask the girl out and she's, and you just have to hear her say no, and then everything can go back to being cool. So I asked her out and she, to meet in non-modem mode. I thought that was a very clever phrase. And uh, she said, sure. That's not a no. Yeah. So I, I, I and we were actually uh, typing at each other. So I remember springing to my feet, screaming at the screen, wrong answer, wrong answer. Because <laughs> she was supposed to say no. And then we go, no. So so we actually met. and. You know, when you met your wife on uh, on BBS, which is, you know, you could say the precursor to the internet in some ways, you know, it was a very unusual thing. At some point between when I stopped dating because I was married and, and now it's it's become like, of course you meet people online. But then yep. back then it was probably probably quite unusual. Yes. I imagine people like, oh, you met your wife on the, you know, not even the internet. You, that wasn't even a term, I guess. That's right. Yeah. It was, it was interesting or uh, to see the reactions of people, especially women. We had only talked. So we only knew each other intellectually, uh, as if you will. Uh, it's not visually at all as, uh, as until we met for our first date. And a lot of a lot of women found that fabulous. I guess if nothing else, you knew she was a fairly, I mean, at the time you had to be a fairly technically competent person. To, oh, yeah even yeah. get on a BBS. So, you know, at least you had that in common. <laughs> That's... Yeah. You know, it, it helps that she's very bright and she's very talented and she's very technically oriented. So she did some technical writing or maybe still does. Is that still does? That yeah. Yeah. She's a better technical writer than I am. <laughs> and she's still doing it as, as a freelance. Uh, she's actually doing freelance editing. It's actually turned into a full-time job. It wasn't supposed to, but Hey, awesome. Yeah. She has her upstairs office. I have my downstairs dungeon. Life is good. Going, getting back to your your writing, kind of your characters, basically you set them up, they behave a certain way, and they kind of drive the story, I guess. When you write a book, mm -hmm. do you make an overall thought process of what it's going to be, or do you just start writing, yeah. or how does, how does that even work? Jeremy, I want to back you up for a second, because you haven't mentioned clearly so far that you're talking about fiction. You've been talking about technical writing a lot, so I don't want to, I don't want to, anybody who's listening to get... 
to be on the wrong track. Right. Yeah, let's let's be clear here. Brian writes fiction exclusively now, correct? Yes. Now now why did why did you decide on fiction rather than something something true? What what's what's your I what's had your done there? um technical writing for various publications in the past. And uh basically it's the market uh went away. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, uh, you guys might be barely old enough to uh, remember those days when you had things like computer magazines that were like an inch thick. Oh, yeah. And filled with ads. And it was just... The computer shopper. Yeah. Well, no, uh, that was... I looked a, forward to that every yeah, month. Yeah, that was a tabloid. I'm thinking of things like Byte, uh, Kilobod. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dobbs never got too thick, but uh, it... It, it got pretty hefty there for a while. Um, all those magazines, and then they just all kind of vanished within the space of a year, a year and a half, because the the market for the advertisers dried up, which means that there wasn't as much advertising, which meant the magazines all went away, which means they all shrank and stayed with their in-house staff, who became overworked, and all their freelancers were basically thrown away. I'm yeah. I'm old enough to be sad that none of my articles will ever be in print. I gotta be honest. I I came in at just the just the uh, the end of it. I guess right here I'm, I'm pointing at it. It's which I don't know if you can see or not, Patton and Brian. But I'm pointing out my first article I ever got published. It was in Wired, Wired UK. I thought that was pretty cool that I you know I'm able to do that. Yeah. And in like you said, it's not something that's going to happen much. Some somebody said, "Oh yeah, Jeremy, you know, he writes for Time Magazine." I was like, "Well, I'm thinking like that's not true." But I'm like, I am never going to be published in Time Magazine. <laughs> do they not print that one anymore, Jeremy? I I don't think they do, although sure. maybe they have seems like I've seen it at the grocery store like they have like special editions or something. Yeah. It isn't like it used to be. The reason I started fiction is I started uh, about uh, 10 years ago. I mean, I've always been a book person. Ever since I was like five, I was reading voracious. Right. How many books How many books do you have, by the way? I have 10 books. Oh, how many books do you own? Oh, own. Oh, um, we did a tally a few years ago using a program called Library Thing where you scan in all the barcodes. And we had, I think, 5,300 and goodness then we've got more since then you are a uh definitely a book person between you and your wife very very much so there was very little overlap is between our libraries even though okay. we both like similar things is in uh, is in uh, many uh, respects like we both like science fiction it, it turned out it was different types uh, so she had all sorts of the old the old uh, mystery books do you start writing before you retire or did you start writing when you retired no i was no as my first book came was when i was still working one christmas my sister-in-law uh, came up uh for christmas eve and we were sitting around and yes alcohol this was involved and uh we had both heard about this thing called NaNoWriMo the national november writing month where yeah it's we try and write fifty thousand words in a month we sort of dared each other to do it and my wife just sat back and laughed at us both and we both tried it. She got her son in on it. But of the three of us, I'm the only one that actually finished. And that turned into my first book, a conspiracy thriller, Darkness Creeps Forth. As you can see it, it's, it's a uh, cover I did myself. It's actually um, some uh, frost on the window that looked kind oh, of creepy. That, that does look a little creepy. That is cool. And um, so what's what's the general plot about that? What's what's basically it's, you know, being a Canadian, I had it Canadian oriented. Um, 
a uh, down-on-his-luck uh, young um, private eye stumbles upon an, an international uh, conspiracy t- targeting Canada. Hmm. Hey, I'm, oh. I, I am Canadian. It's, it's going to be it's the bad people yeah. doing bad things to Canada. You know, he has no powerful friends. It's just him and his best friend against an international conspiracy that seems to hold all the cards. An old forgotten storage facility in northern Ontario that has all sorts of old uh, battlefield nukes and uh, hmm. bioweapons. And it's been there for decades and everybody's just kind of forgotten about it. <laughs> and the bad guys are after it. So is this character, has he has he gone into several books? Is this kind of like a one-off? No, um, kind of- he did turn into a sequel, Darkness Comes Reaping, Bad Things. He gets captured uh, by the bad guys. He manages to escape and there's uh, human trafficking which he stops with the aid of the um list of the opp the ontario uh police he's now on the run kind of <laughs> wait the, the the really ontario police is really called the opp yes the uh, is uh, yeah you okay. know me <laughs> it's the ontario provincial <laughs> yeah. police that's what okay well uh it's the opp interesting we we usually try to take a coffee break around uh around now and uh just kind of you know make sure everything is going mm-hmm. well Whatever, give a little shout out to our uh, patrons, including uh, Maker Mike Sizer, fellow Canadian. Um, so we'll we'll go ahead and do that, and when we get back, maybe we'll talk about some of your other books. Sure. Maybe talk about, you know, if there's money in self-publishing. No. If, you know, just just some of the details. No, okay, well, <laughs> well, you know, don't don't spoil it. But um, <laughs> spoilers. You know, we... I do a little Guess welcome, and I'll do uh, I'll read the people off. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the the Create and Vent Podcast Coffee Break. Uh, Jeremy is going to do a lovely job at reading off our top five patrons from Patreon, I bet you, because that's what he usually does. That's right. That's what I usually do. And we got some exciting news. We have our, actually our first, uh, Shaq Steel level pa- patron who's, uh, Tim. So, so thank you so much. Um, Carl, you're actually, uh, apparently alphabetically, you're actually below him now, which I think we've determined that it's actually, uh, the order in which you sign up, I think. So Carl, thanks so much for your support. Michael Sizer, Raptor, Stuart Morrow, Brian Moses, and Positive Waves, um, which I think is maybe more than five. But uh, thanks, I forgot thanks to count so them this. Th- Usually I put my fingers up as we're going, but I didn't do that, so I have no idea how many names you read. So I'm going to say it's five. Thank you so much for your support. And Pat, if we wanted somebody wanted to support us, where would they go? Monetarily, I know where they have to go. It would be to patreon.com slash create invent, all one word. Just a single a single word there. Nice. And you don't have to support us monetarily, Jeremy. We, we won't be offended if you don't. But I would be extremely excited if people would hit likes and subscribes and things and leave comments and stuff because that... That helps us out almost as much as money. One thing I thought we'd uh, kind of go over in the coffee break too is yeah, we got some feedback on our, our last show. So should we uh, go ahead and talk about oh. that, Pat? Well, I'd love to hear the feedback. I haven't even heard it yet. Have I, yeah. Jeremy? I was told, number one, that I needed a haircut. Did you get a haircut? I did not get a haircut. So this this haircut is is several weeks older than it was last time. Well, then I'm also, leaving. Yeah, I was also told that I needed a ring light. Now, I did not get a ring light, but I moved my... Um, my light over a little bit so it's i've got like a a faux a faux ring light maybe sort of like the okay. ring light. so you know if i look a little different then that's that's why perhaps the person also said that uh, tim 
uh, who Timothy, who we had on last week, they seem to think he had a ring light. They think they thought he was doing a good job with this presentation. Oh, interesting. So, you know. I have a softbox, Jeremy, up here. Nice. Yeah, and you just turn it off. All that being said, with our you know with our call out and our uh, feedback, and if you do have feedback, please do send it to us. I'm on Twitter at Jeremy S. Cook, and you can email me hi at jeremyscook.com. Jeremy, know. I've been doing a bad job. I was gonna set up a link where you could leave a voice a, a voicemail. Well, I don't know how fast you're gonna be publishing this, Jeremy, because sometimes you're fast. But I'm gonna do my best to get a link for people to leave a message before you publish this video. Okay, so look for that in the description. Click on that, leave us a voicemail or whatever, and we'll either uh, play it or- Yeah, maybe talk, we'll play it if it's a, yeah, so we can yeah. reply to you. Or if you live. don't want us to play your voice, just note that. Just say, yeah. don't play you my voice. You can say that out loud and we'll listen to it and read it in our brains. Yeah, but all that being said, we'll get you back to your show. We will, oh. But if they want to leave in and do a, they could do a shout out to somebody, maybe. And if it's not too offensive, I would leave it in there. Like if they wanted to yell Baba Booey or something. Baba Booey, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, anything like that, we'd, we'd love to hear it. We're going to get you back to your show with Brian Greiner. I think we can do I bet we did. There. Welcome back from the coffee break, everyone. I'm here with uh, Brian Greiner and my lovely co-host, uh, Jeremy Cook here. And Jeremy, did you get to have coffee this this yeah, month? Yeah, yeah, I did. As, as usual, I've got my cold uh, cold coffee from, from Costco. I've got a, uh, let's see, I can shake it a little bit. It's got the ice in it. Oh, it's, I don't, it's cold. It's cold. That's that's how that's how I do it, Pat. You know, I didn't really start drinking coffee until um, a couple of years ago because I decided, well, it's probably better for you than Dr. Pepper. You know, you're cutting out, you know, 100 calories a day or so, 150. 100? Yeah. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden... Um, you like, know. what do you drink? Just a shot of Dr. Pepper? Like, just a little... <laughs> like a can. So, I yeah, mean, it's okay. only 100 calories. There's, aren't like, there like, like 800 calories in a can or something? Well, I think it's 150. But anyway, all that being said, I worked out... I did some rough math in my head. I'm like, you know, if I'm going to lose some weight... I could switch to coffee and you know switch one vice to another, and I'll be honest, it's uh, it's actually worked out. I've lost quite a few, several pounds since then. So, someone very smart who I won't name once told me that it's a terrible idea to drink your calories. You should eat them. They're much, they're much more enjoyable when you eat them. And it depends what you're drinking. Yeah, yeah, it probably that's, does. That's all debatable. I'd, I'd say milkshake. Milkshake's pretty good, but that's a lot of Milkshake's calories. almost a meal, though. If, yeah. it's, if it's done well, it's pretty thick. Well, it's actually called a smoothie, to use the yeah. trendy term. It's like you go to Chick-fil-A and you look at the, you know, I, I don't even think they have the large milkshakes anymore, but it was like, you know, like a thousand calories. I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's a lot of... Somebody made me go to lunch a few months ago. We went to a place called the Shake Shack. I guess it's a chain. And the shake, you couldn't get it through the straw. I mean, it was a fat straw. You just, you had to wait like an hour before it was thin enough to to you, drink. Think, it was it was amazing. It was way too sweet. You'd think if you named your place the Shake Shack, you'd have some shakes that were very easy to drink. Yeah, so. it was more like a Frosty. You ever, you ever have a Frosty? Oh, yeah. They I've come with a Frosties. spoon. They do. Yeah, that's not really, that's not really, I don't think they claim to be milkshakes, though. They don't, but the Shake Shack milkshake reminded me, I mean, I've only had one 
shake at the Shake Shack. So, like, maybe I had an anomaly. But maybe they had a bad day. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. So, Brian, yeah. Um, <laughs> Shaking aside. That being said, you know, I, I just got to the part in your uh, your second uh, Bob book, because you, you wrote a book called the uh, some books, and they were talking about going to a, a pub to have some pub grub. Yep. And I was honestly, I was really thinking, like, I haven't been to a place with a nice greasy burger in a while, and I was thinking I really wanted one, but it was like, <laughs> it's like 10 at night, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, I got I got kids that are going to be like, where's... Where's dad? He's not. He's, so what you're saying is that I'm a hamburger. bad influence. You're bad. In, well, and then that in that time, I, I suppose. Well, at least are. you'd be eating your calories, Jeremy, <laughs> instead of drinking them. But but all that being said, so you you wrote you wrote uh, the one book, the um, what, the darkness darkness books. Yeah, I guess yeah. you could say. And then you wrote the the saga of Bob. Well, actually, which, no. Which what, um, like, I wrote the uh, Werewolves of Winter. That's a horror. It started out, I'd been reading a lot of H.P. Lovecraft, and I wanted to write a doom and gloom, you know, cosmic horror and one man's uh, fight. And, he, and of course, he must lose because always, you know, because the cosmic horrors always win. And I'm and I'm writing this and I'm going, well, you know, there's a way he could fight back. <laughs> so it changed from a doom and gloom, everybody dies novel to, well, you know, you can you can fight back. I, I think that's where my engineering background kicked in. You know, you're raised to solve problems. Well, here's a guy trapped on a farm, surrounded by werewolves. He's a data nerd, so he looks at the data and realizes that there's something really bad going on centered around Toronto. It seems to be the epicenter for this worldwide epidemic of werewolves. And the thing with the uh, werewolves, I tried to make it different by saying, okay, fine. They all uh, they always die off in the winter. But in the spring, a new crop uh, comes up. It has the title, The Werewolves of Winter. Because one winter, the werewolves don't go away. And okay. they're where this guy is. So he's got to fight these winter uh, werewolves. He comes up with ways to fight them. You've written 10, ten, books, ten books, correct? Yep. And then okay. so, after the uh, werewolves, I did uh, five of the Bob saga books. Well, I just think about like myself, you know, I write, um, you know, I write technical, technical articles in, mm -hmm. you know, as you, as you were saying, well, you say the market's gone. I, I, I would, I would argue the market's market's change. I suppose I write for very you know, online stuff. Mm -hmm. Fortunately for me, it has not disappeared completely. It's just maybe a different form. But you know what? I, what I do, you know, stuff I write, you know, it'll be a thousand words. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, th I think the last article, last one I turned in was maybe four thousand words. And I think that was the longest longest article I've ever done. But now, now a book, you know, that's much. Four thousand words is a long article, Jeremy. Yeah, it, it was. It was a. Uh, it was like a. It was like a guide. I wouldn't even call it an article. It was yeah. a you know instructional mm. mini book or something. But you know, I think about it. It's like that takes. A bit of discipline for me to do it and in fact mm -hmm. it's a little bit hard because sometimes i think you know it's nice to say okay these short articles i do it i get paid i know do, 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 ding, ching 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 <laughs> that's not exactly how it goes but you know the longer articles you just kind of wonder what am i doing here am i like just wasting my time i gotta make I gotta make some money what, whatever but like with a book i mean how many how many words are we talking about and how, how do you how do you handle just the the length of it and just the fact that you're just Day after day, I guess. Yeah. I got into it not knowing how much work it was going to be. It's like a lot of techies. Once you start on something, you must finish it. <laughs> you, uh, right. you know, Your mind well... gets locked in. 
I finished the first one. You should see how many unfinished projects I have. It's it's amazing. Yeah, well, there's well, but. there's unfinished, but you go to a point where it isn't like you give up after the first hour, unless it blows up, and then you say that never happened. I have some projects sitting where the corpses are a little scorched, and I'm never going to touch them again. Like when the perf board turns into smoke in front of you, it's. I know this yeah. feel. Yeah. I know this yeah. smell. Yeah, it's a sign. You can't put the magic smoke back yeah. in. Yeah, it's not a case of back in. It's when the perf board, there's no more perf board. I smoked transformer one time, and I was working a machine in, in a machine shop, and I don't think the machinists were too happy with me <laughs> the way it smelled afterwards in there. For some reason, I started to build a high voltage, you know, a few thousand volts. I think it was to power a, a helium neon tube. And uh, something went wrong. I turned away, and I looked back, and I saw the stuff coming down. I'm going... What's this raining inside mm. the house, inside the apartment? No, the perf board had gone foof, and it had evaporated, and all the little bits were the carbonized bits of the fiberglass yeah. and stuff. Were you uh, coughing a little bit after that? No, I just okay. I just unplugged it because the fuse had blown after the perf board blew. Okay, <laughs> I said let's. Let's not do this anymore. So, but, so I guess that being said, your argument would be engineers tend to be be able to stick to something and just go for it day after day. Not not just engineers, but you have to have the frame of mind where you're kind of too stupid to quit, um, in a sense. Um, <laughs> right. you got to be stubborn. Um, there's days you're going to feel like you want to rip your head open and, you know, a mash your brain and you curl into a fetal ball and you start screaming at the screen. But then you say, well, you know, and then you get back to it and you type away or you do handwriting or whatever it takes, you get the story down. And so how, how long how long does it take to write a book? Like how many it, how many hours or days or? Well, Stephen King says it takes like two weeks. Yeah. But George R.R. R. Martin says it takes a decade, five years. Yeah. If, if you have a firm concept or a template or even a sketch of what's supposed to happen, you go, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. And in engineering terms, it's, it's straightforward, but you got to write a story around it. And you have to make it interesting. It isn't that there's a guy finds a spaceship, toodles around the galaxy, and isn't it great? And this is how the spaceship works. That was like 1940s, uh, 1930s. You have to get a little more background about the character, why he might be doing it, the implications of what he does. Like in my saga of Bob books, they're fairly light reading. I think you'll agree, Jeremy. I mean, there's, I mean, I mean, if they're yeah. meant for, they're meant to be a lighter reading in a way that you don't see much anymore. I like the lighter stuff. I always did. Yeah, I, I, I agree with it. He just he seems like a nice, happy guy, whatever, just to go. I mean, he has trauma. I mean, you know, it's what's a hero. It's without trauma. Uh, but he overcomes. As my wife would say when, when, it's, when I was writing the books, it says, Bob suffered enough today. And you'll notice that he does suffer quite a bit. But he triumphs. He is He overcomes. When you're writing a book, though, do you... I mean, do you get up and just say, I'm just going to do this for four hours? Do you have a goal? Do you have a, oh, what's your general process? No, I'm, because I'm doing it for fun. I don't, I don't stick to a schedule. It's a bit more organic. If I'm doing NaNoWriMo, I say, I must do so many hours a day, but I, but, but I'll break that up. Like there's no point in staring at the screen for four hours, go away, do something else, get your mind clear. If your writing is that blocked, that means something's not right with the story. And you got to figure out what's wrong with the story. It isn't like a circuit board where you can test the ICs or, or you know, as look at the program for, you know, as I said, your logic. You, know, you let your mind think about the logic of what's happening. And you go, oh, 
I'm trying to force it this way, but everything so far says I have to go that way. That's what writers mean when they say that is that the characters take over. They develop like a little logical process in, uh, as inside your head, sort of like a state machine, uh, if you want to speak of it in, uh, as in software terms. But they become like little sub-programs. And they have their own right. characteristics. And if you're trying to force 12 volts into a 5-volt logic chip, <laughs> bad things happen. That's all part of the process. So it's hard. It's not like an assembly line. It is for some people because they're churning out a book based on a formula. I feel like if I was doing this professionally, like writing fiction professionally, what will be really, very tough is I feel like, you know, you sit down, you do your work, whatever. That's, that's what I do now. But mm -hmm. it's like you're saying sometimes you get blocked. So it's part of the process is going back and, and say, okay, how can I adjust this outline? How can I just take a break? How can I take a walk? Whatever. It just yep. seems like it seems like there would be days or hours or whatever where you feel like you're just very much not productive. But that's part of it. Is that, yeah. Well, that, you know what's great, accurate? Jeremy? Like what we write, I assume we write similar enough things. If I have a topic where I write half of a an article and I say, I don't know where to go with this. I can just put it aside and I'm not getting paid to write a specific one. So I could just say, throw that one away. Mm. I'll just start from scratch on some other slightly different topic. Yep. Right. And, but if you're writing a book and you're 20,000 words in, you've got to get to 25,000 and 30,000. You can't just pick that whole thing up, put it aside and then start book two. Um, right. It's a, that's not entirely true. <laughs> How long is a book in uh, okay. in terms of words? This th this is a whole topic. You could spend an hour on this. But typically, the minimum size for a book is 50,000, 60,000 words. Okay. So, so if I wrote a 4,000-word article, I'd, I'm already a tenth of the way there. Well, well not quite a tenth. A 12th, but 13th. It a depends 13th. on the genre. It's like a mystery is typically sixty to 70,000. Uh, fantasy, science fiction, 100,000 plus. It varies, but you look in the past, some of the top top ranked novels, we would call novellas these days. They're 40,000 words. What would it be an example? That's a long novella. Yeah, you know, well, um, 1984 is okay. short. The trend nowadays is more to the longer stuff, except for certain genres like romance, which is huge, right. huge, huge, is in sales. Cozy mysteries, large sales for a certain demographic. And they tend to be short, 60,000, hmm. 70,000 words. Mine tended to be all over the map. My first book, 65,000 words, because that's all I could do. Right. But that's all the story demanded. The sequel, closer to 90,000 words. Can I take us on a very small tangent? Because you guys reminded me of something that I just read yesterday. Because I'm sure you guys learned that uh, on the internet that Paul Rubens just died. Yes. And I'm sad about that. But I learned, I did not know, I was a fan of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the movie, when I was a kid. And I only just learned yesterday that Phil Hartman was one of the three writers and creators of the Pee-wee's Big Adventure movie. <laughs> but then I learned, this I thought was fantastic, the three guys that wrote it, Pee-wee, Paul Rubens, Phil Hartman, and I can't remember the third gentleman's name, I'm sorry to him. But they never wrote a screenplay. They read a book on writing screenplays, and they followed it to the letter. They made it 90 <laughs> minutes long, three acts. Each act was exactly 30 minutes, and each act was exactly 30 pages. And it just boom, boom, boom to the book. Yep. It was, really? They had no idea what they were Screenwriting doing. Screenwriting is a special niche thing. Um, I took a, it's an intro course on it. Every page is one minute. 
uh, is when you submit a screenplay, they insist upon a specific format. Margins are this big. The typeface is such and such. Exactly. You must not vary. And the reason for that is yep. everybody knows one page is one minute, plus or minus a few seconds. For sure. Now, now you've written several books. Can we get down to the, the brass tacks of what you think, you know, what you get for it monetarily? You, oh, sure. You think, yeah, um, how nothing. Been, how been. <laughs> nothing. But I mean, it's not literally nothing. No, sold, it's not. I mean, you've sold um, at least two books because I, yep, I bought them. Yep. Thank you. So. Thank you. Blessings upon you. Readers are what writers live for. The hardest part is gaining traction in is in the eyes of the public. Sure. You know, for someone like myself with no social media base to speak of, it's hard to get known and get traction. People with a larger social media or a specialized social media, as, you know, for example, yourselves, you'd probably get people buying a fiction book just to see Oh, wow, he did a fiction book? Well, okay, I'll, you know, cut him a break. But they might do that once. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. right. <laughs> For an unknown, it's hard to get that break. But having said that, if you catch the public's mind at just the right time, anything. Like, Jeremy, um, you mentioned the uh, book Wool um, yeah, started, right. started as a uh, blog, series of blog posts. But there are other books about the same time. And I'll, I'll say Wool, Wool was self-published to begin with and you know being some so successful now it's on apple tv it's yep. it's you know it's probably i don't know if it's the biggest self-publishing successful story or or close for, to it but it's for everyone else out there the book wool that they're talking about the show on apple tv is called silo and i enjoyed it very much i finished it up about maybe a week ago um i have not read the book yet i am um as i signed up for it at my library and i'm on the waiting list for it the one that I have read is The Martian by Andy Weir. Uh, that became a movie. But that was self-published? That started out as a series of blog posts. Really? Uh, chapter by chapter, scene by scene, and people liked it, so he kept going. Then it got seen by enough people, and it captured people's imagination. Because it was like, to me, the classic older science fiction. There was, there was a problem, and a smart guy worked hard to solve it. And it helped that he right. was a That's tech. the Martian. Yeah, you know. Problem, solution, there are, there's fallout from it, and he's not perfect. It's almost like a science lesson, because it, he got as much real science in there as he could. So that's interesting. You, you talk about breaking out. So you think, you think a good formula for doing that would be publishing your story, not as a story, but as a series of blog posts. That works for some people. It doesn't work for everyone. A Canadian author, uh, Terry Fallis, wrote um, a thing called The Best Laid Plans. It's a satire of... Uh, politics. And it's hilarious. And it started out as a series of, of uh, blog posts where he read the chapters. And after a year or so, that gained enough of a following that it got a uh, publisher interest. I can tell you what's awesome about this that probably most people aren't realizing. Getting publicity out today is better than starting to get publicity out in two years when you finish the book. Yes. Every minute you can spend building momentum you're two year, you'll be two years ahead by the time you publish absolutely. if you have any sort of... Absolutely correct. A number of people have said the reason you start building up your social media presence and you get to be everybody's friend, and then when you come out with a book, they'll say, oh, so-and-so is my friend, so I'll buy their book. And that strikes me as sleazy. 
the part part I find interesting about social media is not that you would buy my book or whatever I'm selling, not that you would, but the trick is finding the right connection on social media who's interested in your work and then spreads it to their gigantic audience. You know, yep. the networking effect yes. of social media networks. That's the is that's what you're supposed to aim for. You can have ten thousand followers, but it's one of them that matter. It's there's yep. one in that ten thousand that actually matters. Yep. You can have two followers if you had the right other follower. Yeah. Whereas I've always been on social media just to meet people and exchange cat pictures. Oh, and uh, pictures yep. of my baking. It says because I've noticed that Jeremy always likes pictures of my baking. I do. I well, I try to like people's posts. People did post something interesting. It's it's easy enough to press that. Uh, Heart button or whatever. More than once, my friend Brian Moses has said nice things about your uh, flower and insect pictures. Yes. On social media. And I love the baking stuff because I wish I could still bake. I'm not allowed to eat carbs. Oh, dear. So I shouldn't be baking. I I can eat some carbs. I mean, I can't. I don't have to completely abstain. But if I bake, I'm going to eat. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not allowed. I used to love baking bread. Yeah. And yes. Biscuits um, I, and rolls. You know, and I hadn't I realized that... Uh, is that you were on a uh, diet, Jeremy? So, so I'll have to post more of my uh, baking pictures. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm on a diet. I'm just trying not. I'm trying to watch what I eat a little bit. And it's it's interesting. I, I have lost a significant amount of weight, but it's been over like ten years. But I eat. I eat plenty. I mean, I'm. I don't know. I'll, I'll just say this. My 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 wife. I don't. Well, maybe we'll cut this. Maybe not. But my wife said uh, she was concerned that I was getting too skinny. Pat, do you have any idea how much I weigh? No. I don't. I don't even understand how tall you are. I've never seen you so, in person. I'm uh, six three in a little bit, and I, I weigh I weigh about two hundred thirty five pounds. But I'm just. I guess I'm just built in such a way that that's not a huge. That's not a lot of weight for me. I mean, it is. It's not a tiny amount of weight, but it's. I'm not fat at that weight. I was probably fat at more like, you know. About fifty pounds ago, but you know, like I said, we can we can cut that if we need to. But oh no, no, no! Not, you always no. Move that has to stay in, Jeremy. Somebody's going to do that math on you know 235 plus 50. I used to be skinny, but then I got old. The embarrassing thing is I mentioned I'm married, right? So is there anything you see that might be missing here? Like what? I'm not wearing a wedding ring. Me neither. Ring. Yeah. Jeremy, I'm married. Yeah, you are too. Okay, I'll, I'll notice. So I, I lose like 50 pounds. And the reason I don't have a wedding ring, I, was, I lost like 50 pounds. And I think it just kind of slipped off my finger when I was taking a walk one day. And I, oh man, it made me so sad and whatever but a little work with a metal detector later and I still don't have it. So. Oh no. I just don't like jewelry, Jeremy. I'm not, I wouldn't want things on my hands. It'd be weird. Yeah. Well, the yeah. other thing is if you're working around machinery. Well, that's the thing. I, I was always very careful to take it off when I worked and I never lost it that way. We actually went to the jeweler a couple of days ago or a couple, about a week ago and they sized my finger for another, another ring. And they said I'd lost like a size and a quarter since I got, I got the ring. So wow. it seemed, uh, I don't have much of a concept of that, but it's. Well, what sort of ring are you getting, Jeremy? Uh, I hear these titanium rings are popular, but now I'm terrified it, of them it is, since it I've is learned. It is titanium. That's the one I had. Take and it, they... if, you have, if it's titanium, don't wear it when you ride your bike. Why is that? Because if you jam your finger the right way and your finger starts to swell up. The paramedics can't cut a titanium ring off. They have to take you to the hospital and use a, a saw, like a power tool, to cut through yeah. the titanium ring. And if it's if it takes too long, you can lose that finger. Well, I should have talked. If I it, should have talked to you uh, a couple days ago. But, <laughs> I don't know how common this is to have happen. 
But as soon as I heard that, I thought, yeah, maybe that's that's an easy thing to avoid. I figured I'm gonna stay well, away from that. Basically, I ordered what's the closest thing I could get to the exact same one I got when I was married. So figured that's the right thing to do. You know, there was a show I watched. Two of the people get their fingers shot off and they end up like sewing the wrong finger on each other. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're like, well, you know, it takes like a day for the finger to die. And anyway, it was called, the show's called Patriot, which I thought was pretty, pretty funny, actually. Kind of, kind of okay. dark, dark humor. Anyway, we're, uh, we're way off. We have the topic today as, <laughs> as we usually are. In, but, oh, oh, but to answer your uh, question as to about uh, income, I earn the same income from a paperback in terms of the royalty as I do from an ebook. I mean, I suppose there is a certain expense that nobody has to pay for ebooks, so yep. perhaps that makes sense. Um, you can do whole shows on the cost, but basically on Amazon, if your book is between a certain price range, you get a 70% royalty. So if you make it that's too cheap, good. they reduce your royalty to 30%. Hmm. That's not as good. It used to be, if it was less than $1.99, they would reduce your royalty to 30%. Between $1.99 and $9.99, I think it is. Uh, you get 70%. That's that's not as bad as I would have expected. I'm sure I don't want to open up this can of worms because I feel like this would be another hour we could talk oh, about yeah. the pricing and stuff. But yeah, I imagine for your roll on the dice to see if you get listed in like an Amazon top what I mean, I don't even know what Amazon calls their like top 10 yep. genre books of the day and you get a bunch of sales or something. I wonder. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to wonder because I know that's a don't, that's a rabbit hole. I'm sure. Oh, it is a rabbit hole with poisonous worms that will bite you. It's <laughs> yeah. um, the first of each series is three dollars for the ebook. This is in U.S. funds. The it's the rest of the series are four dollars. Well, that's how it gets us. And three ninety nine. We got to pay an extra dollar to read the that's second right. book. That's right. That's right. Well, and of that, I get seventy percent. So you know. I get between two fifty and three dollars. Now, if you look at eBooks, a lot of people are pricing them much higher. Like I priced mine at the time half of what a better-selling book was in that genre. People are are asking for twenty dollars for an eBook. Yeah, for, a, well, for a first-time author, insane. If you charge little enough, I'll buy somebody's book just to say oh, I bought their book. It's I don't even have to. Th- it's like a pack of gum. A pack of gum. Yeah. You don't buy a pack. Is it a pack of gum? been a while you know i don't know it's yeah like a little impulse purchase i'll buy anybody's anything for a few bucks but if it's if you're gonna charge me 20 bucks i'm gonna say well yeah i'm gonna think if i'm not gonna read that i'm not gonna buy it or you know even ten (laughs) dollars that's just uh, it's a popular uh price point and has been for some years and i'm going for somebody i don't know in a genre i don't normally read it sounds interesting but i'm not spending 10 bucks yeah yeah i better know i'm gonna read it at 10 bucks yeah. If I pay if I pay less, I might not care if I don't read it. I might not be mad. Maybe. So so Brian, if somebody if somebody is thinking about like thinking about writing fiction and not yep. I mean what, what would you say somebody should do? What's what's Jeremy, are you, you know, thinking kinda, about writing fiction? I, you know, I've I don't know. I get well, Everybody I should give it now, a shot. So. I am I'm honestly of the firm belief that everybody should give it a shot. Start with a short story. Aim for two to three thousand words. Anything less is a than short that? story easier? Because I have this feeling keep, keeping something short is not always it's, easy. No, um, I try to write a it's a thousand word short story. Is to I submit to someone they were looking for one thousand words, and a thousand words is tough. Yeah, I know Jeremy was complaining about it. He was saying writing a four thousand word article was too much for. He didn't like that length. It was too much work. 
But I would argue that cutting that 4,000 down to 3,000 or 2,000 is way more work than just letting the words come out. Just let them keep going. Yeah, well, and... think of a short story as a snapshot. A novella like a TikTok video and a novel is like a movie. Because in a movie, you've got scope to explore the issues, whatever those issues are. And however simplistic your book is, it should have an exploration of issues of some sort. A short story is very focused. You're, it's, you're looking at it through a drinking straw. A novel, you should have a larger idea. Beginning and, a, and an arc that ends. Maybe have one or two scenes that are vivid in your imagination. And then build from there. Write that one scene or sketch it out in detail and see how it hangs together. You might have a skeleton of something and then maybe some important parts and then you kind of fill in the rest. And then inflate the rest of it with your uh, air compressor there. And be open to change as things develop. But don't throw anything away. Take it out and put it in a file and you'll use it somewhere down the road. It's like for the Bob stuff, I've got short stories written that that I can't put in the book. They don't belong in the story. I think if you're going to start writing... Start publishing it on the internet right now. Start writing. Start public. And even if you have to change, who cares if you have to change it later? Even if you, you know, you write, you get four chapters up on blog, four blog posts, and you get to the end of the book and you decide you have to rewrite it. Who cares? That's fine. Uh, to tell a story from the viewpoint of the strand beast, as it is, as it strides across the post-apocalyptic hellscape. That sounds that sounds interesting, actually. How much science have I learned from? watching science fiction growing up well there's enough real science in science fiction that things just get into your head right sometimes there's a there's a lot of bad there's a lot of fake stuff it's true but i just feel like it's like you don't necessarily know the real from real from the fake and things get like in the expanse you know you've got something called an epstein drive and it's like oh is that the real thing but that's not a real thing they just made well that's the only part they well besides the rings and stuff but for the most right. of the expanse, the Epstein drive is the only thing fiction, re- truly fictional. The rest is orbital but, but mechanics. It, it's very it well done. But it doesn't have to be. They could just make something up. You don't, you don't, you wouldn't know. And they can certainly do it if they wanted to. But then you're getting into the uh, debate. Uh, uh, it's a hard versus soft uh, science fiction, which has been yep. going on since I was a kid. Oh. Yeah, and, going you on know, forever. I, I guess. I guess true. You know, I learned. You know, you make a lightsaber. You have to get the um, the, the Jedi crystals or whatever, and you put them yeah, in the Kyber crystal. Thing. Kyber crystal. I only know that because I thing. saw something about that yesterday. <laughs> Literally yesterday. But uh, yeah, that's probably a good good place to end it, though. Um, unless uh, Brian, you had anything else you need need to get off your chest before we uh, get going? No, I w- um, I would urge uh, technical people to explore their non technical side. You know, whether it's writing or painting or uh, making stuff with, with your hands, something different to, is, is to exercise different parts of your brain to be a more complete you rather than just a corporate drone. Because it's fo- far too easy for technical people to fall into the trap, being overly focused on their career and being useful to their employer. Go take pictures of bugs on flowers. 
gross yeah. gr uh, grow something and learn something about the outside world talk talk to different people if you go to a uh, go to a store talk to the staff like they're people learn all sorts of interesting things about the world that you never knew where can we find you and where can we we buy your books well on social media i'm on blue sky and i'm on twitter a couple of other smaller ones that i don't go to much anymore what's what's your hand what's your handle there on blue sky and twitter mr fumble thumbs Mr. Fumble Thumbs on both. Um, yes, on on both. My writing blog is uh, BrianGriner.com. B R I A N G R E I N E R. dot com okay. or .ca will it will link to the actual site. I'm gonna tell you, I have trouble with the E and the I. There's something to do yeah. with the way my fingers type. It'll no matter what I'm thinking, it comes out a different way than I'm thinking. And then yeah. I look at it, and it doesn't look right, and I don't know if I typed it wrong or if I'm reading it. And then I'm get, and then I, oh, I have so much trouble. I'm bad at it. I have I've seen that issue for C, right? Yeah, I've seen right? that my entire <laughs> life. Uh, people will spell it with the inverse. And as far as my making stuff blog, it's grinder.ca slash blog. You managed to get yourself a good domain name for yourself. Yes, but only .ca. Why, why, why did you get a California address? No? .ca okay. is Canada. <laughs> you Florida people, you got to get up more. <laughs> I was making a little joke, but I, I bet, but I think I've gotten confused about that before, to be honest. Maybe not with you. That being said, the .tv domain name, you know what that's from, Pat? I think feel like we've had this conversation before. We have had this conversation. I can tell you exactly what it's from. I can even tell you about the island that's sinking and yeah. everything. You want me to tell you the whole story again? <laughs> well, yeah. It's, uh, Tuvalu. Tuvalu. Tuvalu, yeah. And it's, uh, we've mentioned that in some other episode. I don't know. We, won't, we don't have to go over we the whole did. thing. I hear they might be evacuating. I think I was reading recently in the news. Or they might oh, be being asked to evacuate or something. I'm not sure. I'm unprepared well, are, for this question. They're a, they're a sovereign nation, right? So who's asking them? Well, they're, they're I don't know. But they're very small and they're getting under more and more underwater every year. Yeah, the outlying areas are being evacuated to the more central parts of the island. Okay. Oh, look at that. Brian, Brian knows about yeah. Tuvalu nice. as well. So. Well, there was a two-page nice. spread in the paper this last weekend. Yeah. And neither of us studied for this question, Jeremy. We had no idea this was coming up. No, we actually didn't. Pat's not being, <laughs> even being sarcastic there. Yeah, it's not even on your notes here, Jeremy. <laughs> well, you have an important... You didn't. We didn't answer an important question, though, Jeremy. What's up? Where, where do we buy Brian's books? Oh, uh, Amazon, Kobo, Apple, Barnes and Noble, all pretty the much usual. everywhere books are sold. Yep. So you could search for like the sa Saga Bob or yeah something. Yeah, okay. or just under uh, my name. It comes as eBooks and uh, paperbacks. The paperbacks are printed through Amazon service uh, KDP. Um, so that's probably the only place you'll be able to find the paperbacks. The eBooks are more economical. <laughs> I have no problems if people buy the eBooks instead of the paperback. Well, uh, I need to buy a paperback because I have a bookshelf where I try to put at least one book from everybody that we've had oh. on the podcast who has books. Well, It, it then, seems like well, it's a nice shelf to be building if up. If you're going to get the saga of bob there's five so far so you got to buy five um, i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> and uh then off air when i'm gone jeremy can tell you if it's actually uh, any good pat where can we where can we find you everybody watching and listening you should come and visit jeremy and i on our discord server i've been doing a bad job of plugging that it's at uh, butterwhat.com slash discord and you can come and uh do a little text chat with us 
Yeah. We probably won't marry you, but My wife wouldn't be most happy likely, that. it's very unlikely that we will. But we we are sociable, so you can what come is, and talk to us. What is this Discord server that? You... Discord is like IRC. If you remember IRC from the internet, it's yep. chat rooms and stuff. It's like that, but it's more it's more accessible to the average person because it's in a web browser. They have a client, mm. but it's pretty much it's a web based. IRC server, sort of. Kind of like Twitter plus uh, IRC mm. server plus, I don't know. It's it's pretty neat. You can find me uh, if you look up Jeremy S. Cook. I'm on Twitter at Jeremy S. Cook or now Blue Sky at just just at Jeremy Cook. So that's pretty neat. Jeremy's and, um, trying to rope me into this Blue Sky thing, yeah, but I don't know. I'm, I'm very anti-social nice. media lately. I just, I just missed Pat. I missed Pat on Twitter, so I thought maybe you know. I am I. Boy, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole either, Jeremy, but I'm going to say I'm very happy not posting on social media anymore. According to an article I read in the Wall Street Journal, Discord is social media. So just uh, I think they don't know what they're talking about. But you know. I, I, I think the trouble is that the term has become so overly broad that almost everything on the Internet qualifies. If you have a if you have a user account, and you talk to people with other you interact with any other user accounts. It's social media. Yeah, seems like terms just become more watered down. Just generally speaking, yeah. terms become more watered undescriptive. Down. It may as well yeah. just be a website now. It's just a website, like an old BBS. Yeah, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, Brian, thanks so thanks so much for coming on. Pat, oh, thank you for having this me. has been fun. Thank you yeah. guys. All right, see you later. Now I have to find all the stop buttons. Jeremy is my job. <laughs>